Welcome to the Matt Hummer Podcast, episode 106. Hello, everybody. I'm Mo. I am uh, the editor of Metal Hammer. I am joined here by Eleanor, deputy. What are you two doing? Stop it. What are you doing? Don't look at me like a cheeky child. What's going on? Steve just scratched his ass. I didn't. I itched my back of my leg. I itched that's the back your of ass, my leg. mate. That's I your ass. I itched the back of my... No, that's... That is that your is ass. below my <laughs> ass. How big is, do you think my ass is? I think that's, that's my leg. That's a cheek. That's not my ass cheek. That's Eleanor, right. Ass, I mean, that, that is right on the cheek. limit, mate. That is my leg. I'm no biology teacher, but an and I just cheek. and you were slapping me. Good grief! Uh, what? You slapped my arm. No, you slapped my arm. It almost came out the socket. Hi guys. I'm Stop <laughs> it! Behave yourselves. God Almighty! On the pink microphone, deputy editor of Metal Hammer, Miss Eleanor Goodman. How you doing, Elle? I was fine until this happened. And scratching his ass. <laughs> I'm not scratching. <laughs> Metal <my> Hammer writer. <laughs> Uh, and hold on the orange finger. microphone <laughs> <laughs> Mr Stephen Hill how are you doing I'm, fa- I'm good thank you mate I'm glad you gave me the orange microphone why well because <laughs> of why I'm here really isn't it the old code oh orange I see guy. what you did there oh, yeah. I'm too slow for you today mate mm-hmm. uh, don't forget the latest issue of Metal Hammer is out right now featuring the almighty Nightwish our Nightwish bundles sold out almost immediately thank you for the support on those uh, they'll be going out this week to all of you very very soon that bought them um, like I always say when we put those bundles online they do not last long we're not fucking about uh, but yeah the Nightwish issue itself featuring free art prints a uh, laptop sticker and very cool little grumpy looking owl uh, pin badge <laughs> <laughs> people love the pin it's awesome I love it too everyone's been giving owl. us good feedback on the grumpy owl pin I'm badge I'm excited about the grumpy um, owl that's all out now uh, I want to even though this was um, a, about 10 days ago now because I wasn't in last week I just want to give a quick shout out to Beartooth uh, who I saw at uh, the Camden Roundhouse um, a couple of, no, not a couple of weeks, about 10 days ago. Um, just purely because it was a fucking fantastic gig. Um, I saw the very end of Higher Power, who were kind of okay. Um, I gather they had, they're kind of like, I think we talked about them briefly, but they're, they're kind of like, they're great. Like kind them. of like hardcore by way of Jane's Addiction or something, aren't they? They're weird. That they band. sound like, if you remember sort of, um, I would say, if you remember sort of early or 94 era roadrunner hardcore that's getting signed kind of fun core sure. uh, Krishna core Shelter if you remember a band like Shelter yeah. really bouncy hardcore quite melodic yeah. good that good band sense. yeah um, and uh, I gather they had really big sound issues which would make sense because I came in right at the end of their set and you could see the crowd was kind of warming to it but weren't like properly going for it yet so maybe not quite their night don't know quite what happened there mm-hmm. um, I saw that Amity Affliction be absolutely fine <laughs> Really? Wow, that's a massive, massive <laughs> step up for them, isn't it? Well, I genuinely... The thing is, I always... Uh, well, when they first turned up and they exploded with Pittsburgh, I thought, that's a fucking great song. I still think that's a great song. And I think they've done a few other songs on top of that that I really like. Um, but if you kind of want a band that just do metalcore in its purest, shiniest form really well... There are loads you, of better versions yes, of that. Yes, there are. Yeah. But when you've got Barry Tomorrow around, you don't really need the Amity Affliction. But... Um, they put, they had a little bit of a show. They had some like good light effect going on. They had some like um, what do you call it like steam things going up, steam cannons, um, and the crowd was really really going for some of those bigger songs they've got. So they went down well. It was perfectly fine. Um, Beartooth though, uh, I've I've always th- thought with this band that they stand so far ahead of that other pack of bands that came out. Kind of um, you know, two, it's from about two thousand and thirteen to two thousand and seventeen kind of time. Um, there's something so much more real and raw about what they 
do. And I, and I think it all comes from Caleb because there's just a, a pure sense of proper rock and roll um, going through the energy that that guy has. And, you know, they've always been a decent live band, kind of like big sing-alongs, heavier bits. Um, you know, Caleb's a decent enough front man. But now it's just like the level of energy and just passion and stuff he brings to that stage is amazing. And honestly, from the first song to the very, very end, it was just totally captivating. Um, they had the crowd in the absolute palm of his hand. Everyone was going totally batshit. Um, the, the songs off the last album sounded as good. I say as good, like, I mean, in the best possible way, as good as anything they've ever done. Um, and uh, I just think uh, this, when the second album came out, I've already forgotten what it was called, Aggressive, yeah. kind of felt like more of the same thing, but not as good of what Disgusting was. Mm. And I remember thinking at the time, like, you know, I saw them at Shepherd's Bush on the album cycle and it was still really good. But I remember thinking, like, I feel like this is kind of petered out a bit now. And like, there was a moment for them and it's maybe, maybe gone, maybe. But what they've actually just kept on going and going and they kept on getting bigger. And the Roundhouse was totally packed out, as I say. Um, they totally felt like a band that could easily make a step up the bricks. And I've got, I see no reason why they couldn't do that on the next album cycle. Um, Caleb did a very kind of long emotional speech in the middle about his mental health issues that connected with the people very well. Uh, and it was just great. Yeah, just fucking great. And um, I felt invigorated about that band again after seeing them in a way that I haven't for a few years now. So I'm genuinely excited for what happens next for them. Uh, so yeah, that was my little Beartooth review. Um, there's loads going on. What should we talk about? Oh, I should say, stick around to the end of this podcast, by the way, because later on you're going to hear this man right here, Stephen Hill, uh, give your questions to Code Orange, who we're going to talk a little bit more about later. Um, so that's a little bonus interview we've got coming up. Um, but yeah, kind of, kind of feels just like coronavirus is the news of everything, whatever you're doing anywhere. It's at the everywhere yeah. all the time. It's fucking everywhere. I'm pretty... Like not to sound blasé about it, but I'm kind of, I kind of just like for me personally, like spending two weeks just sort of sitting at home with my cat, watching YouTube videos, and you know, endlessly wiping my ass, which I think is what everyone's going to be doing, right? That's why it's yeah. getting. It's what you've been doing today, mate? Like, I haven't. That's yeah. the back of my knee. Like I, I'm itch my butt as much as you are. Look, your hand is on your knee. I'm not. My going, hand's not oh, on my knee. My hand's a... on my thigh. Yeah, also, exactly. Can okay, we just okay, say look, end, endlessly wiping your ass is not a thing with coronavirus? It's no, not, it's not. That's not what's weird. It's about just it. panic like, buying. I toilet don't know roll. what this toilet roll I, thing is. Yeah, about. it's a weird thing because people are scared of getting stuck inside for two weeks with no toilet roll. Well, there are other. I'm not saying I agree. I'd rather have nothing to wipe my bum with and nothing to eat. Well, we had this conversation, didn't we? Because I said exactly the same thing. Yeah. Well, oh, actually, I actually said when we said that there is a reason we're talking about this. By the way, we're not just doing like this week in politics or whatever. I know what you're yeah. but, say. Um, <laughs> last week in the office we were talking about how uh, everyone's just buying up loo roll and, the, and I was saying yeah everywhere in my local Tesco's just gone and I was like well you don't want to run out of loo roll do you like you just have to shit in your hands <laughs> oh wow like, you don't have to do that you know your <laughs> toilet still works <laughs> and I was like I've got a lot of questions about this yeah you know firstly, you firstly, having no toilet roll yeah you still can sit on the <laughs> Toilet and yeah. flush it. People aren't panic buying toilets so that you don't have one anymore. <laughs> I just <laughs> said it to make you laugh and now it's turned into this big thing that Manny keeps bringing up all the time. Because <laughs> jokes have to work, Eleanor. <laughs> like, trust me, but jokes have to work. I just said it for dramatic effect but to also, get a laugh. But surely, now it's, now it's surely there are other things you would think of before the hand. I mean, the hand is really far <laughs> down yeah. the fucking priority list. Yeah. Just jump straight in the shower. Do you know what I mean? If you're going to have to go down that yeah. route. I mean, I I, I know Surely. that rationally, but I was just trying to make you laugh. 
Well, it worked in the wrong way. Um, <laughs> uh, but I should, yeah, I mean, it I guess... It can't all be as funny as you, Merlin. I'm not particular. Or oh, you, thanks, Steve. Um, no one can be as funny as yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, I, I would like to think us three in this room could probably stick coronavirus, hopefully, but I guess mm. it's more about the wider implications, stress on health services, uh, you know, older people, vulnerable people and all that. Flat but also, we're, we're also seeing um, this really uh, affecting the music industry in a big way now. We've seen South by Southwest over in Austin got cancelled. Um, Coachella Festival, which is yeah. arguably the US's biggest music festival, has been postponed to October. That's really interesting because... Mm. Um, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was, does that set a precedent for things like Glastonbury and Download over here? Um, Trivium and Lacuna Call had to pull tours and shows. Slipknot have had to pull certain tours and shows. Um, it's just ongoing. People are cancelling shows over Europe and stuff. So, yeah, scary times for the music scene. And I guess it's worrying to think that there's going to be a lot of bands now and not just bands, but uh, personnel, roadies, managers, catering people, like everything venue owners everything that are now suddenly going to have um arrangements that they've you know budgeted for um all fucked up so but it's happening across the world happen. isn't it it's literally every single industry everywhere yeah, totally. right now so you kind of hope there's going to be some kind of plan i guess but with music it's who knows what obviously that's gonna be. we uh one of our main things we have is all about big groups of people getting together totally. so um uh, you know, we have absolutely no insider knowledge on this kind of stuff on what it means for festivals. So we don't want to start fear mongering or anything like that. But, it, you know, hopefully there's uh, um, there's means to be uh, brought into place that means we won't be having to see festivals but getting cancelled and all this kind of stuff. There's really no way of get if, if it does go down as bad as it could, like if the worst case scenario happens, there are industries that can survive by not like you say getting groups of people together particularly mm. the way that music has gone where streaming is not mm. and buying records is not most bands full-time income really like m most bands you speak to now say the majority of the money they make will be from touring mm. and exactly. if they can't tour it's not just like oh shit our tour's been cancelled like you say catering staff there are you know going to be road crew that are out of work for god knows how long and it's you know, it could have some pretty disastrous effects on the financial situation of, I mean, particularly smaller bands. Yeah. Smaller bands who rely on that sort of thing. This could be a really, yeah. really bad, bad thing, which is, you know, it's not, it's no laughing matter at all. No. Although I do also feel like um, in the grander scheme of things, like you say, it's kind of an aside, really, isn't it? Yeah. If you are... It's it's an aside. I but think it's... it's just, it, it would feel weird to just not talk about it because it is mm. it is affecting everyone including the music scene and uh yeah I, I started to make a list of the things that got cancelled but it's already becoming we just too many don't so. know yet do we because we're not at the point in the uk where gatherings over a thousand have been banned and that kind of thing you know no. it's not we're not at that point yet but we just don't know but a lot of people are cancelling things if because of the possibility of it happening which mm. is a really devastating thing so not only are things being cancelled because they have to be things are now being cancelled because people are worried that they will get cancelled therefore yeah. they're sort of preempting it yeah, yeah, yeah. but there I are things Poppy like um tour as well so it's not all bad <laughs> <laughs> i saw a few stories saying things like obviously italy's on lockdown yeah. things like um they're gonna postpone people's mortgage repayments and things like that so we don't like who knows what's going to happen maybe there will be sort of 
people with plans and schemes, but it's all just a bit of a mess right now, isn't it's it? It's not an exaggeration to say either, by the way, that, um, you know, there's, there's a small chance that, like, we might not be able to do the podcast for a couple of weeks or something like that. You just don't know. No one knows what's going to happen. So if for, if for any reason we have to take a break, uh, it's because Future have shut their offices down or something like that, which hopefully won't happen, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah, no one knows. Elle has fear in her eyes at the idea of not being able to do a podcast with us. <laughs> laugh it's my only time with friends um loads new songs getting released this week nightwish have released a couple of songs they released uh harvest which (laughs) we want to hear what you think steve i've not heard any of these the the songs you've put i'm sorry i haven't listened to them because this was me coming on here as a last minute thing (laughs) so i've not listened to because i wouldn't listen to nightwish out of choice I wouldn't listen to Asking Alexandria out of choice and I would listen to Testament but I haven't got around to it. Well, we'll at least have you've to have a Decode discussion song. without but, um, you. Well, you, can jump you probably in. won't like the Nightwish stuff, I'll be honest. No. So, I think no, it's interesting. Harvest is basically an ye olde folk song about sowing crops. It's like if you go to a Christian harvest festival that's held in a field. We've all been to one of them. Uh and is mostly populated by people who came of age in the 60s and 70s on a hippies. And it's like the age of Aquarius or something. It's like loads of people in a big circle it's holding just hands. a lot of... And clapping. <laughs> like a lot of subcultures there. It's like a Christian festival with hippies. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it's like. It's like... The song's called Harvest, and it's literally like a song about that you would sing to celebrate a harvest festival. It's got a lyric about grain in it. Yeah. Which is new. It's like things coming from a single grain. Right. And it sounds like you would sing it at a church festival. And then it's like seeing a child smile and stuff. It's all this very like wholesome pastoral imagery. They're and such it's an earnest not band, cool. aren't they, Nightwish? It's very, it's not cool at all. No, it's not cool. But, and, but, but what Elle means by that isn't that this isn't cool, guys. This isn't okay. But like, <laughs> they're not... I mean, uh, they do what they want. Yeah, they do what they want. And it's and it's cheesy, um, but it's heartfelt and it's earnest. And that is Nightwish. And they, they released a song as well called uh, Ad Astra, um, which is kind of like an instrument... I, I say it's an instrumental. It's got some of Floor's vocals kind of worn into it, but it's not got any lyrics to it. Um, and I wrote down some lyrics actually to this song. Well, that's uh, the song I was just talking about. I'm talking about a different song now. Yeah, I know. I was just looking at my lyrics. Okay, good to Can know. Have a little look um, and they, did, <laughs> they released Ad Astra <laughs> with, uh, in, in collaboration with um, uh, the World Land Trust, which is a, a conservation uh, organization. Um, and the funny thing is, it's kind of like, it's an instru- it's one. I presume it's off the instrumental half of the album. I didn't check like an idiot. But. Um, I actually thought it was quite good. And it sounds like a kind of the kind of dramatic, like heartfelt, uh, emotional song you would put to kind of soundtrack a dramatic TV show or something like that. I actually liked it. I've heard the whole the lyric that you just showed me about inspire. I will offer something and inspire a child. Yeah, inspire a child. It's I mean, trying to put positivity into the it world. Is, yeah, How many children fine. are you inspiring? Huh? How many children are you inspiring, Steve? Well, um, I, I can't quantify that with a number. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't believe Nightwish can either. They can say, just because you say that you inspire a child, who are you to say that you inspire a child? Well, a massively successful yeah, band. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, right, I, Nightwish are never a band that I'm going to listen to, but I have an enormous amount of respect for Nightwish, yeah. actually. I, I genuinely do. I kind of take the piss out of that type of music because it's... It, like you say, it's all the things that you just said it is. But in terms of being a band who came from, you know, the 90s and 
to rise up to what they've done and to be so so well I don't really know the word just artistically free earnest and mm. yeah free and There's you know no constraints long, on what they you know, do the, 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 it's not it's poppy and silly and cheesy and power metally and all these things which I'm not that keen on but at the same time they're really you know they're really uh throw the kitchen sink at everything don't they they yeah. do I made some That's notes on Ad Astra actually I've heard the record and I made some notes while I was listening to it and I wrote like mournful woodwind at the beginning oboe question mark because I only heard it once so I didn't get to fully immerse myself in it. But I wrote that it's, it felt like a sort of waking up feeling. And there is um, a voiceover on it. It says, look at that dot, that sphere, that home, that's us. And so it's all very much like, I think the whole album's human nature is trying to sort of look at our place within the world and celebrate natural beauty and all that. Mm. And I actually really liked the... Um, instrumental stuff i thought my attention would wander but it was cool i'm in generally interested to see that i i like um i don't like when uh, the thing is my favorite nightwish song is one of the longest songs they've done i don't i don't mind them going progressive in terms of writing longer songs that meander and twist and turn and evolve i don't really like when they go like proggy sounding that's not so much my thing but um i'm really interested in what they do i thought noise was a fucking great lead single and uh, you should all definitely go and check out Danny Lever's fascinating um, cover interview with Flo and Thomas, which is in out right now. Uh, loads of songs have been out in the last few days. New Testament track, if you want some vintage Bay Area thrash from one of the greatest metal bands, Evs. Did you pick up on the lyrics of that? No. I think it's about the Heaven's Gate cult from what, the 70s. What, the one where they all died? Yeah, the oh, one really? where they're in San Diego and there was a mass suicide oh, shit. because they thought that they were going to get onto a spacecraft following the comet hail bop that's pretty cool yeah. Oh, yeah as a lyrical subject matter i'm not condoning it's called children of the next level and all the lyrics are about like seem to be about oh, heaven's gate so i think it's a proper like look at that which is pretty they love that wow. shit, don't they? yeah yeah apparently yeah. love a bit of that uh so yeah that's out that's um children of the next level comes off titans of creation which is out april 3rd for nuclear blast a uh, new Asking Alexandria track out this week as well, Anti-Socialist. Uh, they've definitely been listening to Bring Me the Horizon. <laughs> I also thought Danny sounds really like Brandon Yuri. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. The wow. Sort of Ish- like... Issues was the kind of thing I thought initially in that kind of like poppier end of rock vocal thing. That's but yeah, a, definitely Brandon That's a as fucking well. crazy compared like His Panic at Disco is... mixed with Bring Me the Horizon in 2020 for Asking Alexandria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it goes. Like it, it goes. Uh, like the chorus sounds more like what Askin were doing on the last album, kind of big, pol- big, polished, modern arena rock. But there's definitely some of that modern day, bleepy, bloopy, uh, bring me the horizon stuff yeah. going on. It's actually amazing how much that stuff has already seeped into numerous parts of the rock and metal scenes. Um, but yeah, then you have like a house on fire. Is that May fifteenth? So maybe we'll uh, come back to that nearer the time. Um, Code Orange released a single as well this week, uh, Sulphur Surrounding, um, which is probably a good reason to go into the main reason Mr. Stephen Hill is with us today. All right. Not just to provide witty banter. Oh, well. But, uh, <laughs> that, that is the main reason, surely. <laughs> to review this week's album of the bloody week. Um, and it's probably, in many ways, the most hotly anticipated uh, heavy release of the year. Certainly in terms of um, a band that have a lot of pressure to perform, a lot of pressure to follow up what is widely regarded as one of the best albums of the last few years in forever. Uh, We are, of course, talking about Code Orange with Underneath. 
which is out this very Friday. Um, I don't know where to begin, really, uh, other than, I guess... Well, let's just start with Stephen Hill. Steve gave this um, album a 10 out of 10 in Metal Hammer. And yeah. we talked about this at length at the time. We did. Um, and uh, I guess uh, people have kind of noticed the fact that we don't give a lot of 10 out of 10s in Metal Hammer. We've only given three of them in the nearly 10 years I've been at Hammer now. Mm. So it's a big deal. So do you want to talk about um, the kind of process of, you know, what led you to decide that this is it? This is the album we should be... Yeah. Okay. Throwing ourselves behind in the um, way we are. Well, there's a few things. I mean, firstly, in terms of giving something a 10, uh, I heard the album before I was actually asked whether by Jonathan um, whether I had actually wanted to review the album. And my initial thought of it was, I mean, I, for what it's worth, I love Forever. I thought Forever, I mean, on Right Act, the podcast I also do, um, we did our top 20 albums of the decade. Uh, a couple of months ago and forever was my third favorite record of the decade right um in terms of the decade just gone i think for me personally i think it's a weird thing kind of quantifying albums a lot of the time and giving them a number but i think i would probably pick four albums in the last decade that i would give a 10 to four right so um forever i gave nine uh in in the last in the in the the last when it came out in the last hammer and you know like i say my third favorite record of the decade i think it's absolutely brilliant and it felt like a real sort of musical neutron bomb i don't really think anyone expected this small hardcore band you know six months before for eight months before forever came out i saw code orange supporting bane at the underworld right Mm -hmm. so i don't really think anyone expected that so it was a shock forever was a massive massive shock um and I didn't really expect, and I don't think you could have expected them to follow it up with a better record. Got them a lot of hype. It took them from supporting Bane at the Underworld to a Grammy nomination. Mm. That's massive. I mean, there's a huge jump in a very, very short mm. amount of time. That happened within about a year, year and a bit. Mm. Um, usually when something like that happens, that becomes a band's magnum opus and it becomes a kind of millstone around their neck. Like I never really expected Behemoth to to follow the Satanist with something better than the Satanist. I just don't think you can really expect a band to do that. I didn't really expect Architects to be able to follow All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us with something better than All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us because I think sometimes albums come out and they come out at a a time which is just peak, you know, bit of chemistry, like the right time, you know, lightning in a bottle. That's the album and it's just, it is what it is. Mm. Um, So I went into this record with, fully expecting to go well done you know they've come back with another album obviously it's not as good as this incredible monolithic sort of genre smashing record that we had at the sort of the start of 2017 um it's been copied loads forever since that record came out it's been copied by lots of bands i think last time i, I don't think it's here, a coincidence that um at the very least that the hardcore scene suddenly yep. seems to be more vibrant than it's ever been. Uh huh. Yeah, I think last time I was here, we were talking about Leached, and yeah. I was like, "Here's yeah. a here's a band who who aren't even necessarily a hardcore band that are borrowing those kind of electronic bits mm-hmm. that Code Orange put into Forever, and are doing it with you know a modicum of success. Like that's a good record. I'm not shitting on that record at all. It's a good record, good record. but nobody really got close to Forever. So for me to hear underneath, and about halfway through my first listen to it, I thought, "Cool, this is." this is really good. I mean, this is really good. And 
this I, I put it sort of back to back. I played it, you know, again straight away. And the second time round, I was like, I kind of found myself going, "Is this? This is actually, objectively speaking, better." I think this. I think this is better. You know, the the songwriting is better. The journey is more varied. I think on the last Code Orange on, on Forever, it hit you really, really hard, really early, and then it sort of fizzled out. Um, not it, not fizzled out. You know, it kind of sonically fizzled out. It, it became slower and it became you know darker rather than just hitting you hard and heavy as the sort of first half of the record does. I think underneath hits you from all angles at many, many different times. I think everybody's performance levels have gone up. Mm. I think Jamie's vocals sound far better. Yeah, I think the hooks are undeniable throughout the entire record. To make a hardcore record um, with hooks like this, to borrow from, you know, I think I said in the review, 90s Roadrunner metal bands. It's got the same sort of thing that Typo Negative used to have where, I mean, Typo Negative, one of my favourite bands ever. When you put on a Typo Negative song, you didn't know how it was going to end. Right, it would start somewhere, and you would have no idea what journey you're about to go on. Code Orange do that. Um, they straddle this line on this record now between getting kind of art and commerce right is a really, really difficult thing in 2020 in metal, I think. And to be able to create an album which borrows so heavily from the most cutting edge electronic and hip hop artists and melds it together with classic sounding metal is I think something that this scene has been crying out for for so long. There have been some really good metal albums made over the past five, ten years, you know, pretty much since, I think 2016 was a great year for metal and it's been really good since then. I think of bands like Venom Prison, Employed to Serve, Black Peaks, there's been a lot of really, really great new young bands coming out. But in terms of being able to appeal to the sort of people that might go to Coachella, but also the sort of people that might turn up to a an at the gate show, you know. Could you see this album? Um, we'll probably jump around a bit because there is yeah. there's so much to get into on this record. Mm-hmm. It's so layered. It's so dense. Uh, there's so many different um, ideas and genres, even outside of rock music, that yeah. come crashing in on this. Um, but I think one of the main things to me was that the first time I listened to it, like there's not really like a proper standout. What I would call like a a big chorus like there was with Bleeding in the Blur until Sulfur the what? No I definitely think there is I disagree with you Uh, what's track five? Well I was going to say if you both let me finish uh, (laughs) (laughs) cheers sorry mate cheers by the way one of which was actually uh, Elle actually said the song I was going to but um, until uh, Sulfur Surrounding which is one two three four wait who one, I two, am is massive. One, two, three, four, five. I'm going to go with who, track who I am. That's track seven. Now, there's other stuff on there. And um, again, we're kind of jumping around that a lot. I think um, uh, You and You Alone is really catchy because it's got that really cool little thing where Jamie's like kind of tickling the yeah. symbol. It sounds like you're saying something Japanese. And that's really catchy and dragged you in. But in terms of like a big fucking catchy chorus... Um, Sulfur Surrounding to me is the first time that something comes in where you can instantly envision it in a big festival surrounding. Mm. And I've kind of changed my opinion on that a little bit because when you go back to the start, there is actually a lot of catchy stuff woven in there. But it's a really interestingly paced album because everything before this is so fucking claustrophobic and dense and it's all this kind of like industrialised, nightmarish, hardcore music. Like you said, fed through a lot of kind of 90s metal tropes. Um and then it gets to Sulfur Surrounding and it feels like this release that comes out of nowhere. And then that goes straight into the easy way, which is like 
such a big song mm. and i find it fascinating that this is the, that they haven't released this song yet yeah because to me this is the this is the next bleeding in the blow in terms yeah. of being like that 30 seconds where um uh it just stops before they don't want to don't don't want to know who you really are hook and then just goes bam and it kicks in it's fucking huge and they haven't like they're three songs into this record now and they haven't released it which i find really interesting because it's because it's building it in a way where you kind of are drawn into it before it just gets mm. thrown into you. Do yeah, you know what I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I absolutely love that song, and I think it's as big as <sighs> Chop Suey, Duality, Ooh, like whatever you want to chuck it, whatever you want to chuck at it. I think it's as big. You just as, picked maybe the two, uh, mate. Statistically speaking, biggest metal songs of the 21st century. Yeah, I mean... Probably undeniably if you want to look back on the numbers that they do. And I, I mean, it, to, to give it a more co kind of contemporary thing, like for me, I, I would go maybe even further back than this and you've already mentioned it. Sempaternal by Bring Me The Horizon is an album that people have kind of massively aped and I think, I remember Sempaternal coming out, we were obviously, we were doing this podcast back then, you and I, and we were pretty like mad about sempaternal yeah. and it Still got them, a fantastic yeah it's album. a great record and it got them to wembley um what they've kind of followed it up with bring me the horizon i you know i don't think is matched up i think this record is definitely better than sempaternal personally as a metal fan i feel like there's more feels more uh boundary uh, pushing yeah that it, i mean certainly you know going sort of forward seven years it does but i mean the Semper production Turner on it as well though to draw a comparison with sempaternal like mm. one of the big things about sempaternal that you could instantly hear in other bands sound was the production on it it sounded it was done in a way that was was so outside metal's usual parameters and it made it sound mm. so big and crisp and clear um and the production on here um which is i mean jamie's had a big hand in that as well but it's uh, Will, Will Yip, Yip, who's incredible, yeah, and, and Nick Relinuskis, Nip Rasculinex, yeah. Sorry, Nick, just butchered <laughs> your name. Um, but yeah, again, like I think the, one of the most exciting things is, and you said this in your review uh, in the Mac, is like the the kind of um, touch points for how this album's been produced aren't really metal. No, it's more like electronic music, hip hop music, trap music. Mm. which gives it a whole different edge, which is really exciting and visceral and different, yeah. you know. I think there's, you know, there's, when you look at the sort of, th there are hip hop artists that will wear Code Orange t-shirts and have been retweeting the singles and stuff. And you look at the sort of people who are coming to Code Orange from outside of metal and they are, you know, dark, hard, exciting, forward thinking artists. Hip hop and electronic music move forward so much faster than rock music does. That's just a fact. Like, do you know what I mean? Like the, the way that those those genres evolve, it's just something that's happening quicker. And it might be because they're younger and they've got more evolution that they can do. You know, obviously yeah. metal's been around a, a, a lot longer. But when I hear a band like, again, you know, I don't want shit on a band like Horror or Fever 333, but to me, those bands sound like rock bands who have bits, who try and do bits of electronic music. But a lot of the touch points for it are stuff that, people who actually like hip hop with people who actually like you know young people who like edm or like hip hop would listen to that and go that just sounds really dated that's a rock band using kind of shoehorning in dated things that i used to listen to eight years ago because that scene moves so quickly mm -hmm. code orange are not doing that code orange is using jpeg mafia and clipping uh, the two bands that i mentioned in 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 my review um i mean clipping in particularly who i absolutely 
fucking love. You really love that band. I really, I mean, I, again, that's one of my, that's, that's my favourite album of last year. It's amazing. And, um, but they, to me, are, you know, like they're almost a, a sort of art noise project rather as much as they are a hip hop project. And Code Orange have that thing where I don't even know, to call this a hardcore album feels like such a kind of re redundant, regressive thing. Mm. It feels like it could, you know, it's not going to suck in every single, I don't know, Frank Ocean or jme or you know wiley fan or whatever like i i don't even know like enough about wiley, wiley yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, just because he was wearing a t-shirt really well, oh, no, yeah yeah wiley, wiley was wearing yeah, a yeah, yeah, was, yeah that's actually quite impressive yeah um and <laughs> do you know what i mean and uh and then um but i do think that you know like not all of those people who are into something like travis scott are gonna are gonna go oh yeah cool no, code orange not, but so, yeah that's will. where this kind of some part of the conversation faded because um uh, went off tangent because you were kind of saying you could see this band and they are booked for Coachella and you could yeah. see them winning over um, large crowds with Coachella and th this idea fascinates me because I remember talking to um, Randy Blythe and Corey Taylor for our Issue 300 feature yeah. and they were both talking about Code Orange back then and I remember um, we, we kind of had this conversation about you know how heavy can you get away with while still snaring the parts of the mainstream that whether we like it or not metal bands do need to become a really significant mm. game changing sorry L metal bands <laughs> L hater <laughs> when I use that term uh, and so yeah the idea that Code Orange could do like especially I don't want to be too snot snobby and being someone that loves Glastonbury and sees Glastonbury get probably an unfairly hard time over the same thing yeah Coachella the people that kind of seem to go there it gets a reputation as a bit of a like daisy hair kind mm -hmm. of Instagram Olympics. Instagram Olympics as Steve put in one the particularly Instagram succinct uh, blog he did. Yeah. So I mean, it's interesting to think what would have, what would those kind of people think when they walk past the stage and see Code Orange playing? Well, I mean, I think it kind of depends on... On an album where, as well, it should be said, they didn't just go away and come back with 10 Bleeding in the Blurs. Nope. This is a heavier, more visceral, it's a more really, aggressive really, album than Yeah, before. it's a really heavy record that has hooks in it. But I think, you know, pop music or popular music, for want of a better word, is in a pretty interesting space at the moment where, you know, a lot of the biggest artists in, that, that are getting kind of mainstream attention are dark and are you know someone like tyler the tyler the creator is huge and tyler the creator is weird do you know what i mean he's actually weird and i think the cool thing about what metal used to be is that and, and i think there's been a sort of splinter where i feel like um you know it's it's got to a point where cool interesting odd unusual bands are critically lauded within our scene and boring you know foot to the floor meat and potatoes classic sounding metal a lot of which i really really love i like both of those things but that's not really i i don't see how that will move us on like that's that's the sort of thing that gets mainstream attention five finger death punch as much as we went to the wembley and we had a lovely time right nobody who has no out nobody who hears five finger death punch who knows nothing about metal is going to think anything other than that's what I thought metal was. I disagree, actually, just to throw a slight spanner in the works, because I've actually, I know of a couple of people in my life who don't listen to metal, and I've found out about a five-finger death punch by various means, and I've actually 
got really into it and are not into metal because I think because of the pop. What are they into? Pop they? choruses, essentially. Five right. Finger Death Punch basically have, it's the same way that me and you, Merlin, got into new metal. It's basically pop choruses and the heavy kind of music around it. I think there is a point where you can get into them and then from that you might get into metal. Like I kind of have to disagree with you on that. But in terms of innovation, I totally get what you were saying about Code Orange in terms of innovating and drawing from across genres so that more kinds of different people are probably going to find this and enjoy it. I think the diversity of people and the diversity of tastes is greater in something like this than it is Five Finger Death Punch. Well, yeah, to kind of elongate that point about Five Finger Death Punch, Five Finger Death Punch is, again, with all due respect to Five Finger Death Punch, their pool of influences is very, very narrow. Right, uh, yeah. it's it's well, it's yeah. it's metal, like it's disturbed and Pantera kind of mushed together in it. That's what Five Finger Death. They've Punch got their are, own sound, but they do yeah, their own sound in lots of different. They t do a, a different spin on their own sound every record. Basically, it's sort of the same thing. Yeah, they're not going to just come out and do something completely random, probably because they know what works for them. But when I was growing up, you know, the kind of bands who were were getting really big were also genuinely like again i'm not slagging five finger death punch off per se i'm just saying that artistically speaking no one's trying to say that five finger death punch are innovating in yeah, the same way yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, the, whereas like, system of you look at the you look at the breadth of of like the, the great metal bands you look at the breadth of influence on black sabbath delta blues jazz um you know classic sort of baroque classical music their surroundings iron maiden everything from kind of King Crimson to Motorhead, Metallica, everything from Bark to Discharge, System of a Down, everything from the Dead Kennedys to, you know... Um, Armenian folk music. Yeah, Armenian folk music. And even just the um, lyrics of System of a Down, people who'd never heard alternative or rock or metal before heard, like, the words that I was saying, like, what the fuck is that? It makes yeah. you sit up, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, Deftones, The Cure and Duran Duran and, you know... Uh, skate punk yeah. like those are very very and you can hear all of that in those bands and it's got to the point i think in in metal music where when i again like a band who i like i'm gonna take a band that i like right and it feels like i, I slack this album off a fair bit if people listen to the mother podcast and i don't mean to kind of shit on it because i think it's a really good album they're a band i really like but the last cattle decapitation album right was um, De Death Atlas is a really good album but people were talking about that record as if oh my god they've moved the goalposts for what death metal is it's like this is death metal with clean singing like if you took somebody who knew nothing about metal at all and went this is a real game changing record they'd go isn't it just death metal with clean singing? And it is. And I think like... I mean, I'd be very impressed if someone who knew nothing about yeah, metal. Yeah, but, but you get what you go, okay, yeah. so this is just a load of noise, but then occasionally if heard, he does If you've heard a bit of voice. extreme metal, you're not gonna... Yeah, but I think that was also just to throw like, another that was spanner a in the works. Album, though, yeah, yeah, I'm not like disagreeing with your point exactly, but I think the fact that what they were doing made you feel so dark inside it's a good and they had record. all the stuff about the earth burning stuff it just made you feel oh i feel a bit dark and a bit sick and stuff but that doesn't make it, it wasn't you know that does that doesn't make it a groundbreaking record that makes it a good record yeah like aya by parkway drive is a good record and we all yeah. went oh my god they've changed so much well in in metal terms they have from in metalcore terms you know For fucking what they atlas did. to aya is a massive leap but that's the sort of leap that an artist like Nick Cave or Radiohead do double every that album on every album. Yeah. And I know why shouldn't, and metal should be 
as ambitious as you know i don't necessarily think underneath is a revolution in the same way as forever was i think it's a huge evolution yeah. i think that's the, the only thing for me um it's not even a, uh, a negative thing but the only thing is some of the things which felt like such a startling jolt last time around like the kind of weird stop start thing they do in a couple of tracks where it sounds like the cd the cd Sorry, sorry, kids. <laughs> and it sounds like yeah, the song's the song's skipping. You know that it's kind of glitchy. thing they do. It's glitching. Like those little elements are not uh, kind of as a surprise right now. They don't they don't kind of like shock you like they did the last time out. But that's because they've kind of taken that and made that their sound but, in the yeah. way most great bands do when they go on to but make they a superior record. They haven't done that in. They haven't lent on that in exactly that. Like, I think it would have been really like underneath the title track which is the last track on the album mm. i thought oh are they gonna cut it short like they did because if you remember them forever it just goes yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, done yeah. right it ends sort of half for a sentence like the sopranos and um and they didn't do that and i was like it would be really easy since people went oh so great last yeah. time to do it again and they don't yeah, so uh, yeah i agree i agree like what this straddles for me why i gave it a 10 i i just would i just want people to get behind this record i want people to uh, you know they were on a playlist. I can imagine them on a playlist. They're actually on an Apple Music playlist, like a dark wave Apple Music playlist with like Swans and Bauhaus and Sight. Like, have you heard that Sightless Pit record? The dude from mm-hmm. Linguita Ignota yeah. and the Body. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and Full of Hell doing. And that's a, you know, it's a brilliant record. It's a really challenging, excellent, horrible, like visceral record. It's never gonna make people want to listen to metal, and. I, you know, and I think, but I think Code Orange can. I think Code Orange can actually make people not just do what Five Finger Death Punch do. Yeah, I, I've heard this band, Five Finger Death Punch. They're quite good. I might buy a Pantera album. I might buy the Black album. If you're talking about totally changing what mainstream metal could be and the type of people that listen to it, like this could be the most significant, for me, this could be the most significant record released in metal since. First corn album, White Pony. Oof. It could be if if everybody got behind it like we did when I when Iowa. Remember when Iowa came out and we all got it to number one. Yeah. What a fucking time that was. Yeah. I mean, this is good enough. It's absolutely good. Yeah. Enough. I mean, Slipknot were already significantly far yeah. bigger than Code I mean, Orange are right now. It's quite a, yeah, quite yeah. a distinction no, to draw. We're I, not expecting Code Orange to I, suddenly get yeah. to number one. I don't expect them to be like but, in arenas by the end of this run or anything. But no. I really think in terms of a signpost for people to go and people don't need to rip it off wholesale like i would be i mean something reba said to me when i did the interview with them is that when we were talking about bands being influenced by them or what had happened with forever and people kind of taking that on she said i would rather i I don't mind people if they're with us they're with us and that's cool if they want to rip us off that's not so cool but i'd rather they looked at what we did and, and went how can we do that in a different way how can we take our own sound and change it into something completely different and if everybody sort of thought like that i just think we'd have a far more interesting scene yeah. and code orange are the are, are like with all due respect to everyone they they make everyone else seem boring i think wow big big words and uh i mean on, on the off chance there might be people listening to this podcast right now who haven't actually listened to code orange before um yeah they're a hard they're a hard band to define previously and now it's even harder but i mean if you like the idea of swaths of like brutalizing hardcore and um, fed through kind of an industrial blender and then poured over a mixing desk playing a harsh trap album with 
glitchy electronica and all, and just all that kind of crazy stuff stirred into one big mixing pot um then you should check this album out i think anybody who likes heavy music should check this album out because there's so much going on in it and mm. um, chances are you'll find something that you'll really love in it i and must have wrote down chances about. are you'll hear something you haven't heard um if not heard if not not heard before then at least not heard done in quite this way before because there's a lot of stuff on there that's really interesting i i wrote down about 30 35 bands that they reminded me of and it was everyone from like i say jpeg mafia to atari teenage riot to alice in chains to hate breed do you know what i mean it was mm. just to nine inch nails it was it was everything and yeah. i thought uh yeah you said atari, in the review you mentioned atari teenage riot on back inside the glass which i thought was a really cool um really good thing because i'd written it's, it's kind of like almost like digital hardcore or something yeah like this weird futuristic I mean, even the word futuristic sounds old-fashioned, doesn't it? But yeah. it's this weird, like, super cutting-edge take on hardcore music. Um, and there's a very Corey Taylor-esque vocal line in that as well, um, when he kind of does this, like, don't have it back inside. And it's really, like, first Slipknot album era Corey mm. sounded from Jamie, which I love. Um, yeah, there's like I think Reba's brilliant on here as well. We haven't talked to her about her yeah. too much, but her vocal so hooks great. are so big and they're the kind of things that will definitely bring in people on a more uh, like catchy level. Um, you know, she she's utilised those fantastically on this album. Uh, yeah, it's a hell of a record and you should read Steve's sterling uh, 10 out of 10 album review, the first in five years in the new issue of Metal Hammer that's out right now. Um, I think we might actually put that review online this week as well. So pay attention to metalhammer.com. Do I get paid again for that if you do that? No. <laughs> Cheers. That's not how these agreements work. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Should we take some reader questions, guys? Oh, should also also out this week. Uh, Haggard Cat, Jonathan Hulton. Elle likes ah! that album. Jonathan Hulton from uh, Tribulation has an album out. It's this literally week. It's good well. so good. Chance from it. Another Place, it's called. It's yeah, and it good. does sound like Chance from Another Place. It's a bit like uh, sort of being in a little folk church on a mountain, but not as twee as I made that sound. Well, there you go. <laughs> uh, and It's uh, Video Nasties out this week as well. Oh, yeah, it might be because I've got yeah, a lineup for that. That's fucking sick. If yeah. you like it, you, you'd love that, mate. That's kind of entombed. We already Cabela talked about it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, kind of in tune from deathy, deathy noise um, yeah. about horror movies, which yeah, are two really things good. I like very much. Yeah, that's, And if you don't just want to listen to metal, by the way, Birthmarks by Hilary Woods is lovely. I don't even know who that is. She used to be in JJ72, um, the indie band. I used to go and watch them. Yeah. Her New albums. Why won't wicked. it snow? New albums from Human Impact and Huntsman out as well. So, oh, Human Impact. But if you are nice. going to listen to one thing this week, there's no, there's no competition. This year, this, is the code this fucking album. decade. Go on then. This year, uh, I think yeah. I'm, I'm just going to carry on listening to who I am over and over again in the loop. That's what I've been doing this week. I'm going mad if you do that. I won't. Yeah. I don't go mad. You didn't say much then, Eleanor. What do you think about it? I really love it. Like the first time we had it well we both put it on on our headphones i think at the same time in the office and i just like made an excited face and was like this is loads of things that i like about metal all squashed into one thing yeah you're like taking off headphones every two minutes and going oh it sounds like this it sounds like this it sounds like this it sounds like nice nails and i obviously really i'm not like a hardcore fan like you are but i like industrial and 90s metal yes you do plenty of that and there's lots of that stuff in there and it's cool because it's like they're acknowledging it, but then, like you said, about sort of taking all different genres and putting a spin on it, 
And I just like the atmosphere they create as well because there's a lot of... So stifling and like horrible. and. But also yeah. just, again, like the 90s and the darkness and the sci-fi thing as well. There's obviously a lot of nods to The Matrix in some of the things they do aesthetically and mm. some of the like track titles or lyrics or whatever. I should There's say that, that video that came out feel. this week has a real tall vibe to it. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Self and surrounding video. It's I've probably like video, Which is the tall video where it's got the little the clay man. man guy walking around. Uh, we did a whole oh, um, a whole two-page feature schism. on it. Schism, yeah. <laughs> but they're big kind of schism but like as reimagined through like a matrixy kind of yeah. treatment as I said that's what reminded me but yeah I like the fact that it's really that cinematic and dark as well it really sort of taps into the sort of 90s dark cinematic thing which I really appreciate and it's not it's just not I like the way it makes me feel the record Wee. that's that's what I like about it <laughs> I've said enough it's yeah. it's <laughs> so yeah I'll give it a four. Awesome and Carbine. <laughs> awesome and Carbine. That's a tune as well. If you're talking about catchy ones. Mm. There's just there's, yeah. We could literally stay here all day and just talk about it. It's such a great record. Um, but as I said, read Steve's 10 out of 10 review as well when it goes up this week online. Uh, Facebook.com slash readers is the place to come if you want to ask us questions for this very podcast. Um, Connor Gray says in response to uh, a furious argument that erupted on last week's podcast... <laughs> Uh, about Family Guy and whether it's good or not. Connor says, Elle is right. New Family Guy is crap. Yes. But what is the most metal cartoon? Metalocalypse. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That was my first, my first one. First draft pick, isn't it? And then I've got <laughs> Beavis and Butthead as well. Yeah, it's Beavis just and Butthead. Two metalheads talking about metal. Yeah. But then I kind of started to think, actually, if you look at what was going on in the 80s and 90s in children's cartoons, mm. um, not to go on nostalgic. Thundercats, you're going to say, aren't you? Thundercats was in there as well. but Because first of all, I went, oh, I'm going to do it by genres. And then I did like Masters of the Universe for heavy metal. You like Power Rangers. Yeah. Are you going to say Power Rangers? It's not a cartoon. So no. It's not a cartoon. And Sorry, it's Al. definitely not very metal. I either. totally forgot it wasn't uh, a cartoon. The theme tune's metal. Captain Planet? They're just dressed in suits. Nah, too no, do-goody. But... Too goody. Too goody, mate. One of, them, one of the elements of that was heart. What the fuck's that about? Like they probably gave that kid something to do. It's mate. like earth, fire, wind... wind Water. Oh, that's Mastodon. And then there's some guy at the end that John just going, oh, can I have one? <laughs> yeah. oh, do you want to do heart? Yeah, go on then. Heart. The fuck's the heart? Earth, earth, fire, part of earth. earth, fire, water. That's Wait, that's what Mastodon cartoon is this? I'm confused. What cartoon? Captain Planet. I never Captain watched it. Captain Planet, he's a hero. He's a hero. He's na, na, got na, na, things na, na, that all go. But like, there's so much like, uh, kind of like, um, toxic like thrash metal stuff going attack on attack of the killer tomatoes teenage mutant ninja not, turtles that is not a, a fucking cartoon either there was it a cartoon is. there was or a was cartoon it? based on the film yeah they all yeah, used to jump down enough. the street by themselves but like listen to these things teenage mutant ninja turtles yep. toxic crusaders yep. skeleton warriors pirates of dark water biker mice from mars <gasps> gargoyles mars. street sharks what were they smoking in those offices they were Thrashy, it's all like kind of like anthraxy well not anthrax like kind of like nuclear assault kind of like weird thrash metal dog tanyan <laughs> sorry mate go on you're making a serious point i thought i had quite a good point there yeah you there's did. something in all these kind of like weird toxic mutant monster tv shows that yeah, was thrash metal as totally. but yeah dog tanyan too yeah i think it was just the time wasn't it it was a day glow era of and everything Definitely. was quite sort of neon and that you know toxic waste and stuff was a was a big thing back then it was the best it was it was a big thing 
Sam Gore asks, International Women's Day was last week. Who would be in your ultimate all-female supergroup? Um, I was a bit embarrassed by how hard I found certain parts of this, to be honest, when I tried drummer. to do it. Yeah, drummer. I mean, I found, I found a band that I think would be good, but um, it kind of ended up... At first, I was like, one of the obvious things to do here would be to pick loads of artists from the 90s because 90s was a bit more prolific for mm-hmm. women in really good bands. Um, I realised the way that just sound coming out of my mouth, but in terms of like guitarists, drummers, bassists. Obviously, there's loads of women doing amazing things right across the metal scene right now. Um, uh, but I was kind of, I, I kind of went, well, I, you know, it'd be kind of obvious to pick Samantha from Hole or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, Melissa After Mars, someone like that. Um, but those aren't really bands that I actually listen to personally and get on with. Um, I started with Angela Gosso on vocals because she's, uh, you know, I'm a big Arch Enemy fan. She was one of the vocalists that got me into... Um, you know, screamy music and she's a fucking legend and one of the, the, you know, unquestionably one of the biggest female icons of extreme metal. Um, I ended up with Liz Buckingham from Electric Wizard and Laura Pleasance from Kylesa on guitars, which I think would be fucking Heavy. riffs for days yeah. for both of those. Um, Sean from White Zombie, I ended up with on bass, which I thought was quite cool. Yeah. So that kind of works. And then I did end up putting... Samantha Maloney from Holland, <laughs> which yeah. I, I'm really sorry. Anyone who's screaming names at me or uh, any women who drum um, that are listening, I know that's really bad, but uh, not, not like not a lot of like uh, particularly prolific female drummers out there in metal. No. Um, yeah. I sort of struggle with drummer again. And again, there are plenty there, but not many in bands that I personally listen to a lot mm. and, you know, resonate with. I mean, in terms of, might uh, me a in terms of a female drummer with a band that I actually like, I don't think she's a good drummer at all. I have to pick Meg White. Oh, I'd have to pick Meg White. I um, met her one time. That's yeah. my Meg White story. She all right? That's the end of it. Why did you meet Meg White? She came to my university union years ago because she was going out with somebody in a band that played at the union. And she was in our little like um, gig slash club room at the merch table, just hanging out cool that's Lovely. that's my story can't remember what band it was it's i think she'd struggle back a few years i think she'd struggle to drum for the band that i have planned to be honest but um yeah <laughs> is it a hard I mean, she struggled band? to drum for the white stripes so. yeah she did yeah um uh yeah so i'd probably that's not really harsh i saw them live already now they're quite good yeah but she's yeah, anyway um let's not talk about the white stripes too much low hanging right? fruit yeah. white stripes. um tori amos on keyboards can i have tori oh, amos that's good oh, yeah. Sure. yeah oh i could have had the one from lordy you could have we were done, going yeah. down that route. Um, I uh, would probably, I probably, I, I, I know you say like the nineties band is too obvious and da, da 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 da, but I'd have to have Kim Deal on bass from the Pixies and the Breeders. Well, it's not nice to you because you're more, you're more into those bands. Yeah. Than I, am. I didn't mean it's lazy to pick brilliant female artists. I, I just like meant Pixies. I don't listen yeah. to those bands so much. My so GCSE English teacher got me into the Pixies. She was cool. Yeah, in the nineties, she, she gave was. us tapes. Really? Yeah. My history teacher was into like Buffalo Tom and loads of like rubbish music. Anyway, um, <laughs> Gina Gleason from Baroness on guitar. Oh, of course. That's a fucking great shout. I would definitely have. Um, I can't I, believe I, I, well, I mean, Laura Pleasant from Carlisa is a perfectly good pick, mm-hmm. but I can't believe I went down that riffy route and didn't think of Baroness. Yeah. Um, I'd have Reba from Code Orange on yeah. joint vocals, probably. Um, along what it can have, I have three guitarists like Iron Maiden. I want to pick Kim Gordon because I think she's probably the the most interesting sort of uh, female musician of stuff 
that I really like. I love Sonic Youth. Um, and even though I'm a sort of six music loving hipster fuck as well, I her her solo album is rubbish, but I still do love Kim Gordon. Such a hipster fuck. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's really bad. It's got amazing reviews, but it's really bad. But Kim Gordon's amazing, and I'd have Caro for my Oathbreaker on uh, on vocals. That is a good band. I would listen to that. Who's in yours, L? Well, I agree with you guys. It's quite hard thinking of a cool drummer. Mm. So yeah, you should definitely tell us in the comments. Um, I picked Haruna from Love Bites just because I think Love Bites are quite cool. Uh, I like, I, th- I like the fact that they're all like well into metal and like just you know, you can just tell when you talk to them and like from all their socials, they're just like totally into it. Mm. She's cool. It's always a good start when you're in a metal yeah, band. Exactly. Metal yeah. Like metal. <laughs> Do you like metal? Well, you know, you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, um, for the money. And then I I had a real struggle because I think it's really hard to pick a vocalist. When anyone asks us to do a super group, the vocalist is the hardest one because it kind of defines to an extent the sound of the group because if that person's got a really distinctive voice, you can't like unhear that voice from the music. And like you couldn't do a ska band with Maynard from Tool on vocals. Well, I, I mean, you could. Tr- I would love to hear that. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I sort of cheated and picked three vocalists who also play other instruments very well so that they could do dual vocal harmonies or like, you know, mix up different singers and different ones. Mm -hmm. So I picked Reba as well as my guitarist. Um, She's just cool. As my bassist, I picked Melissa Aftermower because I was obsessed. Like, not even... my idea, by the way. (sighs) What? We were just talking in the No, office. I said Melissa Aftermar and then you, and then I said, but I didn't really listen to any of her bands. And you but went, for oh, me, it's not really a whole thing. I was just obsessed with her solo record she did. I was obsessed with Aftermar and I was obsessed with Out of Our Minds. I used to play those records like over and over again because I really liked... Pumpkins as well. I know, but mm-hmm. I really liked just the solo records that she did. I thought she had a great voice and she had that kind of... Um, alternative metal alternative metal thing that she did um i just thought she was cool and she had a really great way of just writing really good hooks on those records as well and i'm just a sucker for a hook uh and then for actual singer i picked amelie braun as in murka amelie braun because i thought i love all the folk stuff she's doing right now and she's got a lovely voice and she can also do black metal-y stuff and i just thought what would it sound like if you had vocals that were shared by Reba and Melissa and Amelie in some kind of group? I don't know how it would sound, but I just really like all three of them as artists. So yeah, I sort of cheated. I'm not really sure how the group would sound, but I think it'd be interesting. I, I think they're all, to that band. I think they're yeah. all individuals who are, mm. are very well defined um, and would all bring something different. Nice. Back it. on drums? Back it. Haruna from Love Bites. Oh, she's a drummer. I just sorry, I didn't really. She likes metal. I can't. I couldn't think of a singer. Love Bites do she's well. She's like when they get in the room to jam together. She's just sort of like, oh, anyone heard the new Elstorm record? And they're like, what? Just fuck off. Well, I thought probably uh, not. Fuck I couldn't off, think but... of a singing drummer. Maybe she does sing. I don't know, but she's I got some so. cool demos online. She always just looks super into it. So you just want yeah, somebody Love who Bites, just uh, is excited and happy and loves music Again, and wants to be there love bites do power metal so it feels easy for a lot of people to kind of take the mick out of them a bit but they are actually pretty shit hot live um i can't lie oh and power metal 
like, Halloween last week. What about Manowar had albums out in like Hell to England was out in nineteen eighty four. Godfathers of Power Metal and really Ronnie James Dio and Rainbow in it. Oh, you can have that, yeah. That's from last week. Just answering the question. <laughs> Stay in the present, Steve. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Um, Pip Dunbar asks, would you ever do a crossover with the annoying orange? No, because it's not funny. Uh, we will see you next week, everybody. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank What's you for the joining annoying us. orange, please? Well, um, I actually had to look it up. Have you seen this video, these old videos on YouTube that are still, apparently still being made where someone has like, superimposed their kind of eyes and mouth like doing like you know like that Instagram filter like that blah, 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 yeah like, yeah yeah and they're doing it on an orange and it talks to other fruit but what I was it. confused about was and in it's the like, hey I'm the annoying orange yeah in the 90s there was a program called This Morning with Richard not I love Judy Stuart Lee. yeah so you know what I'm talking about and Richard yeah. Herring the Curious Orange the Curious Orange yeah. I thought it was something to do with that so the Curious Orange did it first some crap thing on I YouTube. loved the Curious Orange every yeah. Sunday whenever it was I used to watch it and just be obsessed with what the Curious Orange was going to do and then it became the Curious Alien well oh, I'm going to get those. we've, been, we've had YouTube. some journeys down memory lane today, and then Simon Quinlack <laughs> the hobbyist of all hobbyists who had a weak lemon drink <laughs> yes do you remember yes Norris and then trolling Norris McWhirter That's and just then do you remember do. there were those like it was a fake kids program where there were like two like birds are like crows or something and lived in a crow's nest and they used to have arguments with Fuck, each other. you remember this much better than me. Because well, I, I was obsessed with it. Stuart Lee. I wrote a murder mystery based on some of the characters because I was a weird child. Merlin's putting that on Instagram. He's going to put a snide... He's just <laughs> taking a photo of us where we're talking. Did he just take a photo? And he's going to put a snidey comment. Why and and he's got my face to go and press and I'm going to put it online with the caption when you're trying to wrap up the podcast and Stephen and I won't shut the fuck up oh, no, about no, no. 90s TV Let me go. Let me so go. we're having a nice chat. Sorry, that's offensive I'm sorry you're having a nice chat. It's a podcast. It's not a nice chat format. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly it's what yeah. it is. I couldn't be more. I couldn't have picked a worse format. Steve, to we can continue this conversation I? afterwards. Have I've a got nice go, time. Actually. We've, We've got, got shit to do. I've got, right? to do I've got to go down and do my other podcast. I now. love the right, Mount readers and listeners very much, and we would love to sit and talk to you forever and ever. But we're on deadline. Sorry. Uh, next week we're going to be joined by Mount Hammer Reviews editor Jonathan Seltzer and Mount Hammer alumni. Did I say that right? Alumni. Yes. Uh, and CEO of Twin V, Alexander Mylas. Uh, as we induct Iron Maiden into the Metal Hammer Podcast Hall of Fame. You voted for them as the next band we put in. So uh, head over to facebook.com slash Readers this week and you can vote for the two albums we'll be debating to put in to the Hall of Fame. Only one gets to go in. Which one will it be? Come back next week to find out. Um, we're going to leave you now with Mr. Stephen Hill who put your, co your questions to Reba and Jamie from Code Orange uh, so you can hear how all that went down. Um, but in the meantime, we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye. See ya. Hello, it's Stephen Hill for the Metal Hammer Podcast. I'm here with Jamie and Reba from Code Orange. How are you doing, guys? You good? Yeah, I'm yeah, good. Man. Yeah. We're just meeting right now. So yeah, it's up? really nice to see. You. It's been a while, right? <laughs> yeah. It's been a while. Um, we have some reader questions for you. The All good right. people at the Metal Hammer Reader Facebook page have posed some questions for you. We've got a bunch. All and right. we're just going to get right into it, all right? Let's go. Let's go. Um, Matt Mills ask as a metalcore band themselves mm -hmm. already um oh, whatever yeah okay uh what do you think of melodic metalcore he's then said bands like bullet for my valentine asking alexandria bring me the horizon devil wears prada etc we don't listen to that that's pretty much it so i don't know that's it done i mean i don't listen to it devil I wears mean, prada are nice guys oh devil wears prada are awesome guys <laughs> yeah. so no it's no i mean honestly when we went on tour with uh what was that tour? Kill Thrax. They were super cool. So, mm. I mean, yeah. they they can, like, stay at my house. I love those guys. But yeah. uh, I don't listen to any of that. I've never even heard any of it, even one time. Really? Honest to God. Like, 
Yeah, maybe not since I was like 16. I, I never I heard it. I mean, we were all, we kind of, we didn't, did we even listen to it? I, just out of curiosity. I, I'm, I'm not really sure what that stuff sounds like. Get, band to band, I'm sure it's different too. I mean, overall, that's not, if like you're just kind of, I don't want to get like, you know, like be saying, oh, the, the, one of those bands in particular, because I don't really, I really don't know. I mean, it's like. I do not know. We don't listen to that. Yeah, Yeah, fair enough. It's not my style of music, obviously. I don't. We don't listen to it. Do you even? I mean, even he called you a metalcore band. That's you know, it's not. There's a different definition for that. Metalcore, those depending on who you talk to. I would say Devil Wears Prada are a melodic metalcore band. Yeah, I don't think we sound like metalcore hardcore bands. Like it's like totally different definition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say you guys are are even that metallic hardcore with with other bits involved. But, you Whatever. know, I'm splitting heads. I'm being that, like, online elite. We need a sick it. name for it, like, something. We do need a new name. Some new cool. name we'll try and come up with something. Um, so the next question, <laughs> this is far more pressing. Alistair Belling asks, if you can have a Code Orange tune featured in one Disney movie, what would oh, it be? Shit. And now that would be the real commercial What's breakthrough. Like a, what, I mean, a uh, Little Nemo is a dark. Super Little Nemo movie. is not a movie. You're talking about Finding Nemo? No, like the prequel to Finding Nemo. Nemo. No, the, yeah, the, Rita <laughs> wrote her own Nemo script that's no, in her drawer. It's a different movie. No, there's no Little Nemo. Yes, there is. Finding Dory, I believe. Yeah. No, no, not to There's about no that. Little Nemo. You're I'm not, not sure to if look it's a Disney dumb, movie. bro. Look there, it up right now. Look it up. Do you want it's me to a, look it up? It's an amazing dark movie. There's like a nightmare. Little Nemo? It's like a night. That's like the main villain in the movie. Hold on. I'm just consulting Google. Finding Nemo. Nope, I'm not. Little Nemo is a fictional character created by American cartoonist Winsor McKay. Is that Disney? I'm pretty sure Disney made it. originated in an early comic strip by McKay, Dream of Rabbit Fiend, before receiving his own spin-off series, Little Nemo in Slumberland. Yep, exactly that. Is this Disney? I don't know if Disney nicked that. But I thought they did. No, this doesn't look like Disney, bro. This is proper, like, we're going going deep into... You're a a sick fucker. Because it's the only thing that's of cartoon realm of stuff that even makes sense for around watching Little Nemo. <laughs> That's Weird. why I was such a messed up kid from watching stuff like that. I don't. I mean, I've I've never heard of Little Nemo before, but looking at the oh. the visuals that just came up, it doesn't if look. Like what some Disney movies? Bedknobs and Broomsticks. What's none of that? it. None That's of it. That's a classic. Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Mate. That's maybe some That's UK like half, classic. Half um, Mary Poppins is Disney, right? Mary Mary Poppins is Disney. Maybe we could be in. Uh, oh, what the fuck was it? Beauty and the Beast. Moana. No, uh, my girlfriend's uh, niece loves Frozen, so I would love to be in that. Well, you ever beneath the, the beneath the uh, Martyrs, the French metalcore band did a cover of the Frozen. Have you heard that? Let it go. No, we didn't hear Let it. Let it go. I we mean, apparently there's a pretty it. dark storyline behind the uh, the most obvious in Frozen, so maybe it would be good. Who knows? Yeah, that would work. She would be psyched. So yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ben Wilmot asks, "Well, this is going to be awkward." Uh, does it feel odd having journalists and folks in the industry getting behind you guys, or have you gotten used to it yet? Does it feel awkward ha- getting behind us? Yeah, like, like you supporting up. us. Well, they supporting often don't you. too, so goes back and forth. I mean, you've had some pretty good press. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, whatever. <laughs> it's cool. If somebody says something nice to me, I'm happy. Right. It's like you know, great. I mean, I doesn't. It doesn't. In I don't. I don't. I'd like to think it doesn't like impact our choices one way or another. But especially if it's somebody like yourself, oh, who I you know have like a good, whether it's a good rapport with or just have like listened to what you've done or read what you've done, and I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then yeah, that's great. I mean, 
It's it's great. I mean, if some, I'm not gonna lie and be like, I don't give a fuck if someone says something nice about us. I think it's it's great when anyone says something nice about us. So, I love reading like in depth reviews of of our stuff. When someone it's like you read it, you're like, oh, they really get really like where we're coming it. coming from. Mm-hmm. It's you don't I don't usually expect people to like look at it the same way we do. So it's cool when you see that. It's like oh, they really like sat down and like heard it in the same way we intended. It's Some like people nice don't feeling. read reviews at all. Yeah. No, I read uh, some and, of them. But you do. No, I do, yeah. If they're if they're bad, I'm probably not going to sit there and like read the whole thing. There was one review I read on the last record where it was like saying how good the record was and the whole end thing was just about how my lyrics were shit. Oh. And it, that did hurt me for a minute, but I was just like I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, "Get over it, bro. Just move on." <laughs> are you going to be a little baby or what? And then I forgot about it. Until now. Um, Until now, yeah. Yeah, I just came back. Yeah, you seem like you're over it. I'm going to get that guy. Chris Miles says, Code Orange always seems to be a band that are constantly evolving, and the video for underneath is hinting at some further changes. It is. Mm -hmm. Is this all part of the plan you've had from the early days, or do you just go with the flow, so to speak? There's always a plan. There's always a plan. We always got a plan. How far in advance are you mapped out for the the next phase of your career, would you say? Uh, I mean, I don't know if you could put a timeline on it. Okay. Don't it's, don't got to get her to slip it's, up. It's a, <laughs> You're looking at her trying to get her to snitch. There's a path. It's just not always super detailed until we get I'll go along. Hmm. I also know he's got a path that I probably don't know about half of it yet. But he'll, I mean, for the most part, we have a fig- we have figured out what we want to do. But it's not like so rigid that uh, you know it can't be. We grow and and change and like, but all the main the, the main stuff we're planning on doing out the gate, of course, has been planned out for a long time. Mm-hmm. Everything's quite. Um, uh, meticulous with you guys. It mm. feels very meticulous, I would say. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of room for um, slip-ups. We don't, Do you know we what don't I mean? Like there's doing not a lot of room for surprise. Not surprises yeah. for the listener, but for you guys as a band, I, I feel like, um, not to say that you're not spontaneous or anything but like in, a, in, the, in the live environment, but in terms of the record and what gets put together, it all feels like it's very specifically yes. thought about a lot. Yeah, I think the only thing that's not meticulous is just you know at the end of the day we're doing what we love and like what we want we want to hear and it's it's all you know it's coming from the heart or whatever you know Mm. wherever but yeah it's all very very meticulous it's surgical but you know yeah if a new idea gets thrown in because someone just has a a nightmare or a dream or something you know the next day if we all love it we're gonna we're gonna add it in in, you know we're never just like closed doors Okay. Um, Jonathan Scott Anderson, this is a good question. Is it intimidating at all having bands on the level of Every Time I Die and Zao supporting you at your record release show? Uh, When this goes out, that show might have already been played, but the the idea of um, uh, having bands who have been around that long, who I'm sure you guys are fans of, to be have them playing underneath you, like, how does that feel? Every Time I Die thing is just friendship. I mean, Every Time I Die brought us on one of our first tours ever and they've gave Reba a guitar amp on that tour and we didn't have anything you know what I mean like they've always just we haven't toured with them in a while but they've always kept up with us they've always supported us and and uh I always know that like if we can make it work and it makes sense for them and like you know in their in their lives they'll they'll they're always down to do whatever and we're and we'll absolutely repay the favor of that I'm sure hopefully on you know I'm hoping you know on their next uh, Christmas show or something, you know, we'll do, we'll do whatever. So I don't, 
I'm not, I don't look at it like that with people who are like our friends and like that we look up to and stuff, but I really appreciate them doing that and realizing, okay, like this is a special thing in Pittsburgh and, uh, and this is their record and, you know, they, and, and we figured it out and just made it work. So, I mean, I, I I'm a little, I'm nervous because, uh, you go going off every time I die. Well, well, it's I'm not, it's, yeah, it's going to yeah. be our first show too. Yeah, yeah. Like doing, doing what we're doing, whatever that may be. So, uh, and they're just a great band period. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. never like nervous to go after any bands cause I'm confident in what we're doing. We have our own flavor. They got their own flavor. And like I said, we're, we're friends. So, I mean, we're just going to bring it 1000%. They know we're going to bring it and they're obviously them. They're going to absolutely bring it. Uh, I'm just my only, I'm just hoping that we're going to be polished the way, like I know we, we are. You know, because this will be our our first show, so we're just yeah. gonna get ready for it. I'm excited. I, it gives me a, a, a little fire, you know what I mean? Ready to go and just. It's an important thing, I think, for young bands to that passing of the torch thing of taking. Uh, I mean, obviously, this isn't strictly you going out on tour with a band who are a kind of established band, but I think when you are a younger band, you get to a certain level and you can bring a sort of quote unquote classic band out on tour with you. Yeah. That sends a statement that you are you know like we're yeah but doing. i and but even i completely agree but i wouldn't even they're so i mean they're freaking on fire they're probably more bigger than they've ever been like yeah, they're, they're they're smashing it so band. them doing this is i think less of like a uh them passing their torch along because they have so much torch left to give and more just like them being supportive of us mm. and like just being open to it because that's just the type of people that they are they're just good dudes who just want to play and don't really give a fuck and they they're supporting us you know what i mean so like in some situations yeah i especially feel like especially if a band you know is 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 past past is uh like down their road and i think that's a really great thing that they can do for a younger band and and for themselves too obviously this is not that situation though they very much have much much more to go and they're yeah, of course. they're on absolute fire so i mean they're just i think doing doing uh being friends, being brothers. If you could put a bill together, like a kind of ideal bill of a young band and someone you know oh who Lord. you could bring out from the the previous era, is there a bill that you'd put together? I don't know. So That's many. tough. <laughs> I would do like maybe Roadrunner uh, Roadrunner Showcase or something. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Great. I mean, there's lots of bands. I don't know because I don't like. I don't want to. Uh, you know, I'm down to be disrespectful, but I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to disrespect anyone by saying, like, I feel this older band should come open for us. I don't know where they're all at. I mean, there's tons of bands I would want to play with, you know. And if we got to a point where we were uh, really, you know, drawn, you know, we were doing fucking Slipknot numbers, then, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, mm-hmm. we can gain a lot from playing with them bands the same way. Slipknot so. took Suicidal Tendencies out. Yeah, dude, guys. if we were in that position, awesome. dude, yeah. when we are in that position, I really feel, then, of course, like, any band that's ever done fucking anything cool, we're going to try to get to come with us. Yeah, and we just like mixing Because they did it for us. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, having like, having a tour feel like it's something special of like, and not just like everyone in the same kind of lane like yeah. playing a show. It's like, w- that's why I, I feel so, you know, excited for the Pittsburgh show. It's like yeah. Pulling every time I die and having us get to both, it's, it just makes it feel more like, like a moment that people will, can remember later on when you're talking about like, oh, this, remember that show that happened on, in whatever year? It's like it creates like a memory for people, which is why I always love music. You know, remembering. Yeah. We special like to do moments. mixed bills too. You know, like that's that's a bit. That's say, thing. You know, yeah. Working with stuff like that, we were talking about JPEG Mafia just before we started recording, and you know, getting 
that kind of build with you with him together is just like somebody ask him uh, he's he's doing what he's doing he's on no, fire he definitely is yeah. i would love to tour. i mean we've we've asked <laughs> we've asked a lot of bands to go on tour and a lot of them have said no so i don't know we'll see i mean we there's all kinds of bills that fear, i have man nah i mean fear. they just dude everyone see this is the <laughs> thing man everyone sees themselves differently in different ways mm. you know and like when everyone's kind of swimming in the same pond especially like and that's probably why you haven't seen us tour with a lot of the more uh even just in the hardcore realm you know bands that have popped up in the last couple years that have gotten super popular because everyone's got their own own thing they're trying to accomplish i would love to do not i mean the two things that i would really love to accomplish would be to do a a very cool another you know our next tour has one machine girl who are a really small band but they're very cool and they're and they're on the cusp and they're just this fucking crazy like i can't even describe what it is check it out and show me the body they're on our tour as well Love show me the body. yeah the, and then we got jesus peace near the knife yeah, or more right. hardcore bass bands but uh i would love to do a tour that had the type of hip-hop and experimental stuff that we really like on it i would also love to do a tour that was like us and some of the bands that have come up out of the hardcore scene that are all you know doing very well and we all do a tour together i would mm. love to do that i wish that we could all get on the same page enough to to do that with the you know you know the bands yeah so i mean i would i would we, we ho hopefully both those things can happen on this record yeah cool okay right last question um comes from andy paul he says were you wwe fans before working with them on the nxt black and white themes if so what are some of your favorite wrestling memories wrestlers events etc thanks yeah, I was a big fan growing up, uh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And uh, the black, the Alistair Black thing, our buddies Incendiary made that theme. A lot of people think that we made it, but we didn't. We yeah. we played it live with the singer of Incendiary, who's one of our very good friends. And Incendiary is a really great band. And, and uh, th they kind of worked on the song with the guy CFO who write all the themes, who I think actually kind of wrote it. The Bray Wyatt theme, yes, we made, we wrote that theme that we did that by ourselves and uh but yeah we were being fans I, the first wrestling show i ever was at the first wwe show i was ever at was uh john cena's debut that was in chicago oh, when wow. i was like a little kid so that's pretty cool yeah uh so that's 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 a that's a memory reva you a fan <laughs> yeah i mean i've gone through phases of like amount of dedication to it but i remember you know uh royal rumble i think was the first like wwe pay-per-view i forget what year it was that wasn't even that long. A few ago. years. No, <laughs> I, my parents wouldn't let me watch wrestling as a kid. I would really? always put it on and be like, "What is this? This looks so cool." And they'd be like, "Turn that off. It's junk." I'm like, <laughs> but I, I had to listen to him. So <laughs> but later on, like through meeting him, and he always loved. He kind of kept it on the DL, I think, more <laughs> when we were younger. But then, um, started watching it more together, and it was definitely like a world. There was Rumble a period in the band where we would all watch together, and then they all fell off super hard. Once it really? became three hours, I just couldn't. Well, I haven't watched it for a lot. But the first bit of wrestling, fact fans, I ever want, I ever watched was Jake the Snake getting his snake to bite Macho Man Randy Savage. That's awesome. We, we were that also was the first thing I ever saw, uh, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" You're, old, you're old as hell. I'm old, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really old. Good yeah. Lord. But, we're, uh, we're is that in the, uh, back in the 1800s? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it feels like it. 1871, that's when that happened. Yeah. And and then it was George Washington was there, too. Yeah, the it, was George, it was me, George Washington, and I'm trying to think of any <laughs> other old person. But yeah. thank you, man. It's really disrespectful of you after yeah. I've said such Shit. nice things about no you. No problem, brother. I appreciate that. I'll say but this. You are, a, you are a big strapping lad. Thank so you. So everybody who's strapping listening should know lads. that. He's about seven foot tall, this guy. You're tall as well. I know, but I was like, this 
big ass, dude. <laughs> I always forget. I'm like, why the fuck are you an interviewer? You're fucking giant. You're probably like freaking everyone out. Like, these little because all these musicians are so little. He's got to command yeah. the interview. Man. Aren't a lot of bands are little, like real small, like mm. short. I've noticed. Like <clears throat> most bands we play with are so. Sh- Small. Corey Taylor's very short, man. I got no comment. Continue. Literally, I'm no, he is. I mean, he's sitting right himself. next to you here. Greg from Dillinger's like kind of he's big, but he's sort of stocky as well. And he's sort of shorter. Greg from Dillinger is fucking yoked up, bro. He's jacked. oh, he scares the hell out of me. Lovely man. He's out of his mind too. I love that dude. I, he is one of the dudes I've been bouncing stuff off of throughout this record. Like he's been listening to our stuff like the whole time, and yeah. I I talk to him a lot, and I wouldn't. What are you calling Corey short for? That's my man. I'm not calling him short. He, he's, uh, he's called himself before. I've interviewed Corey many times, and he likes to compare himself to other diminutive singers like Ronnie James Dio. He says, respect. Uh, I he respect says to me, He says to me, the, the guys who aren't at all, we have very powerful voices. He, has, yeah, a, he, he has a big voice. Yeah. He's energetic as, as hell there. How tall Trent? Oh, I don't know. No one gets to see him. Does it him? I'm sure Axl Rose is really short as well, but no one ever gets to see him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I yeah. think we've gone off top. I'm I'm late. Typo anyway, or tall? Typo or tall? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I've only met a couple. Like obviously, but they're tall too. I mean, it's fucking big, dude. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. a kind of weird end to this little segment, but I, but it's all good. Um, that's anyway. very Vince McMahon vibes, dude. We're <laughs> yeah. talking about how big everyone is. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, guys, uh, thanks for chatting to us. Thanks for listening and uh, taking the questions. Um, underneath is out on the 13th of March, my birthday. Oh, let's go. Happy birthday to me. And uh, you should, if you're listening, you should go and pick yourself up a copy, whether it's your birthday or not, because it's really good. See you later. Thanks, guys. Peace. Thanks.